welcome back to the Good Dude Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Thomas, and this is my show. First off, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we've got several episodes up now. I'm actually in the process of transitioning my host site, so there may be some hiccups in what's available. I know probably you've seen that some of the older episodes have fallen off. I'm That's why I'm switching sites, is to make sure that we can reload those old episodes and leave them up. That way people can go back and listen to them, or if you're new to the show, you can kind of pop back and see how we started. Also, I am using a brand spanking new headset microphone that I got from my boy Stewie. Appreciate it. Shout out. Family Jeff Coat. And uh, he hooked me up, so if you notice a drastic increase in quality, you can you know, drop Mr. Stewie a line. He's my boy back in the day. We used to be roommates. Anyhow, so the topic for today's episode is all about soldiers and warriors coming back home. Um, It's something I've, I've always been interested in, obviously, just for my own sake, but then something just recently that I've taken a renewed interest in, mainly because in my new job in the Air Force, I have had lots of airmen just come back from deployment in the last couple of months. And then also I'm getting ready to release my second book, OIF Journal, Henry Sissel, and it's all about, you know, his experiences in in Iraq and then a little bit at the end is is coming back home. And that was the part I've been working on recently, just kind of making sure it's all squared away for the release on Veterans Day. Hint hint, foot stomp, Veterans Day release. Check it out. Anyway, It got me thinking, and I was listening to a podcast that was talking about, you know, what it means to be a warrior and and how that affects you uh, and your psyche and and your personality. And let me first say that I am by no means a psychiatrist or an expert in post-traumatic stress, and I am certainly not judging anyone for their feelings or how they feel or how they react to stressful situations. That's my disclaimer. But Specifically, I'm referring to the average United States soldier, airman, sailor, marine that did an extended combat tour in a hazardous area. So if you if you drew imminent danger pay or hazardous duty pay during your deployment, then then that's really what I'm talking about. So I've I've done two deployments in my military career. The first one was uh, for about 15 months-ish, plus or minus, to Iraq, Baghdad in 2005. And then again in 2013, I deployed with the Air Force into Al-Dafra, which is in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, near Abu Dhabi. Very, very, very different deployments, very different experiences, very different times, and different jobs. So specifically... I'm talking about the first one coming back from the first deployment for me, but you can kind of put these in perspective for anybody that is spends an extended time away from their family. Um, I'm not trying to belittle those other deployments. You know, they're absolutely necessary, and we could not operate as a military without those different types of locations that may not be on the front lines or may not be receiving direct enemy fire. But we need them to provide support and to utilize in case of additional incidents. So there there you go. Disclaimer. Not trying to talk bad about anybody. 
just trying to share some experiences and help everybody understand what people go through. So the hardest thing for me coming back home after the deployment, the first deployment to Iraq, was getting used to just normal interactions. And I don't mean to say that I was like, you know, diving under the table every time there was a loud noise or dug a foxhole in my backyard or, or anything crazy like that. I think most people are a little bit more subdued than that. Uh, but just the constant tension that you're under in that type of environment, you know, and, and the roles that you play. So, for example, I was a platoon leader. So that means I was in charge of about 50 people in equipment every day and I was responsible for their lives literally the decisions I make could have ended their lives or you know helped save them so it's a lot of stress it is constant and it, it never ends so you're 24 7 you are in that mode you become very very directive you become very short you, know, you don't have time to explain things you know, when you're under enemy fire, you make a call and you run with it. You don't have time to second guess. You don't have time to worry about it because the longer you take, the more danger you're under. So, you know, there's an adage that says, you know, the a, a poor solution immediately is better than a perfect solution late. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but essentially, even if you make the wrong decision, but you make it fast and immediate and you aggressively attack it, usually works out better for you than if you sit and contemplate for too long and then you miss your window. So when you get back home, the, the normal world doesn't work that way. I mean, like if, if you're talking to somebody and you, you know, are very directive and aggressive and abrupt with them, it's very rude and and, and feels very threatening, even though you're not really intending it that way. And I, I found myself doing that a lot. Like just in everyday conversation, I was very, very direct. I was very aggressive, and and I didn't, I didn't ask anybody's opinion. I didn't, I didn't consider anybody else's concerns at all. I was really, really focused on whatever my task was at the time, even if I didn't really need to be. So that was definitely one thing I had to adjust to. And that was even at home. You know, getting getting back to the family life. You know, you leave a place that you've been to for over a year where you're the boss. Everybody has to do what you say. And then you walk in the door and now you're a husband and potentially a father. And you have all these other people that you're dealing with that you know, you're not the boss anymore. And you can't speak to the same way. Not if you want to stay a husband. <laughs> but it's it's a very difficult adjustment and it, it takes some time to get used to and it takes some understanding on both parts to know that it is a process and, and it does happen over time. You know, so that was one of the biggest problems or, or issues that I personally experienced. And I, I think that's pretty common. Um, like I said before, I've mentioned before on the show, you know, I was in Baghdad at a strenuous time. It, it was a bad time. There was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of enemy activity. I was incredibly lucky. I am by no means Rambo, and I certainly had it way better than most people. I never had a single killed in action in my platoon, and nor did I have. Uh, I I personally didn't have to kill anyone, so you know I I thank God for that all the time. So as far as just the personal post traumatic stress that I dealt with, 
was probably less than than the average platoon leader, honestly, because most people were not that lucky. Now, I had a lot of close calls, you know. I mean, I had my Humvee was hit by several IEDs. We you know, we took sniper fire. We had small arms altercations pretty regularly. We were outside the wire 95% of our missions. So we saw activity, but just for me, my buddy used to say that I was the luckiest unlucky person he'd ever met because we were constantly getting attacked on my missions, but somehow nothing ever really came of it. You know, I just a quick little war story while I got everybody's attention. I had one time where I got hit with my, my Humvee got hit with an IED and we rolled up on the side on my door. Somehow everybody in the vehicle was completely fine. We literally were able to knock the Humvee back over using one of the other vehicles and drive it off. Like, I mean, it was, it, I, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what, what occurred to do that, but everybody was fine. We had to do some minor repairs on the Humvee, but we rode that thing the rest of the the rest of the tour. So, you know, I was I was very lucky. However, being aware of the potentials of danger is incredibly stressful. You know, knowing that the possibility is always there is is what really pushes you to that level. And you know, you can read a lot about the physiological effects of that, like adrenal fatigue and, and just, you know, your body breaking down because you cannot maintain that level of stress all the time. But it just becomes something you deal with. And it's funny because most of the people you talk to who, who were deployed at that time or, or did tours in Afghanistan that were very similar, you know, or even the kind of the Vietnam vets, the Desert Storm guys, they all kind of have similar dark sense of humor. If you talk to them, uh, it's because you kind of have to become a little bit numb to really process everything. Because if you took everything as serious as it probably deserved to be taken, you'd freak out. Like you would totally lose it. Like we would have times where mortars would hit inside the fob and we wouldn't even go get in a bunker. We would just finish playing chess or, or Scrabble or whatever we were doing or finish our meal because we didn't care. We weren't worried about it. It was just an inconvenience. It really was not a concern for us because the other threats were so much higher that we just didn't care anymore. Uh, you know, and if you were constantly reacting to everything at your highest level, you just get so burnt out so fast, you wouldn't be able to do anything. So it's just a coping mechanism and it doesn't really go away. I even find myself now like a little desensitized to a lot of things not like to such a degree where I don't feel empathy or like I'm crazy and you know, whatever, but you, there is definitely a difference, you know, that I notice in myself from, from other people that have not been in those kinds of deployment mentalities. And then the, the other things that you have to deal with too are, are just the perception of other people. So, and and I don't want to make it sound like I you know I'm sitting in a room like freaking out about somebody attacking me at all times or that I have to like sit in a corner with my back to the wall and I can't you know I have to face the door all that I mean I prefer to do those things like I prefer to be able to see if anybody can come at me but it's not like it's something I can't handle um, but when I got back I did find myself actively scanning for potential threats every single where every single place I went. You know, I would be in traffic and I would be looking around, you know, doing fives and 25s, if you're familiar with that term, you know, at a stoplight or, you know, scanning a room. Like when you would go into church before I would sit down, I would make 
you know, I would I would scan every single person's face and, and waistline to make sure they didn't have a weapon or that they didn't look threatening. Um, you know, I would uh, count exits. I, I focused on I mean, I would come up with like these elaborate mental reaction plans, like what happens if this, you know, whatever somebody runs in here with a weapon like i mean it would it became just how i thought and even today it's still pretty instinctive for me to to kind of fall into that tactical mindset and it's been you know well over 10 years since since i was really in that kind of a threat level where that would have been a necessary mentality um my last deployment like i said was was very very professional it was it was very necessary. I'm not, not downing it by any means. Um, I did a ton of construction. I got to learn, I learned so much about my job and about engineering and about leadership, you know, on that deployment that I certainly didn't learn on the first one, but it was just a different job, you know? So my first job was looking for IEDs, repairing craters from IEDs, um, you know, looking for bad guys, securing bases, preparing, defensive strategies, all kinds of stuff like that that was very, very combat related. And then this job was much more about base buildup and construction and maintenance and, you know, the kind of engineering stuff that I really enjoy and went to school for. So both were absolutely necessary, but incredibly different experiences. But even in those kinds of deployments, you still have a little bit of that redeployment aspect where you come back home after being gone for an extended period of time and the code of conduct, if you will, for the person is completely different. You know, so for in, in a deployed scenario, you work typically at a minimum six hour, six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, every day. That's just the norm. Everybody does that. You usually get one day off. There are many, many times where you work seven days a week, as many hours as you have to work. And you sleep whenever you can and you eat whenever you can and you do whatever you got to do, even in those types of, you know, non-combat related deployments, because those jobs just have to be done. So you go from that back to a place where, you know what, if you show up at 830 instead of 8, that's not a big deal. And if you got to pop out to go to the dentist or, you know, you got to pick up your, your kid from school or whatever, you just kind of do it. No, there's no real regimented schedule and nobody really cares. It's not a big deal. It's a really big adjustment. It doesn't seem like it would be, but it, it can be pretty stressful when you're used to that and you get into that mindset. And it takes several, several months, I would say at least two to three before you really transition. You know, if you're just talking a couple of weeks, like if you go on a on a camp or something and, and you're you're only there for a couple of weeks, it's it's still too temporary to really change your mindset. But if you're there for three or four months, that becomes your norm. That becomes what you just, that's just how you do and, and how you think. So when you make that transition, it's hard to transition back. Um, I kind of liken it to people who work nights, like shift work, and then all of a sudden have to start working days again or vice versa. It's it's a difficult transition. And it really doesn't have anything to do with like PTSD necessarily. It's just how your body operates. Your body chemistry is different. And, and the way you think and what time you eat your meals and you know, all of those things change and it's just a lot to take in. Not to mention, you really want to reconnect with the people that you, you haven't seen in a long time. Um, and that can be hard to do because it's, it's hard to talk about stuff that they don't know or they can't appreciate because they weren't in those situations. Um, you know, and 
the combat ones are really tough because you want to tell people, but you don't want to freak them out, but you don't really think it's that big of a deal. And you're not sure if they're going to or not. So you kind of are playing this weird game of how far is too far to share and, you know, am I not sharing enough or, or whatever. And then, like, with any any kind of close-knit group, you have inside jokes that you think are hilarious that nobody else may even understand or get. And you want to share that with the people that are closest to you in your life, your family. And they just are kind of giving you a weird blank stare, like, how could you think it was funny when your friend got shot in the butt? Um, you know, that that sounds horrible. And you think it's the funniest thing you'd ever heard of. Or, you know, that time that, that a mortar hit the shower trailer and somebody come running out, you know, completely naked, covered in soap, holding their weapon. Um, you know, so, like, it's <laughs> it's it's hard to really communicate sometimes because they they can't know they they weren't there they don't they don't have those same thought processes and and mentality that you have so you know part of that is why there are so many veterans groups and there are so many people that that try to get together and it's it's simply because it's easier to talk about with people who have some understanding of of what that was like you know so it it goes well beyond PTSD. I think PTSD gets like just lumped in there whenever anybody says, you know, I'm having issues when I come back. It's it's much more than that because I I certainly don't feel like I have post traumatic stress, at least not anywhere to the level that that you know is debilitating. You know, I I don't freak out. I'm not having like breakdowns necessarily, but I have had moments. I remember right after I got back. You know, I used to have my weapon with me 24-7. I would sleep with it right by the bed. And in the middle of the night, I would wake up and I'd reach over and make sure it was still there. And right after I got back, I woke up in my bed at home, reached over, and I didn't have my weapon. And I jumped out of bed and I, like, had a mini panic attack for, like, five minutes before I realized I wasn't supposed to have a weapon. I didn't – I was at home. I don't carry a weapon at home. So, you know, those kinds of things happened. But that was more just – I think that was just more habit, really, than than, like – PTSD related, you know, so it, it's there and it, it does happen, but there, there's an adjustment that is required regardless of, of how much, you know, bad stuff that you saw or how much, you know, bad stuff happened to you. It, it doesn't really even matter to some degree. It's, it's all about your lifestyle and how you perceive everything around you. It doesn't take forever you know, you can come back from it and, and it does wear off for sure, but it, it's still there. And, you know, just being cognizant of that and knowing that when your family members get deployed or your friends go overseas or whatever, that they do have to make an adjustment. Even now where literally you can talk to your family members, FaceTime every single day, you know, it's still hard. It's still different. It's still a foreign environment that you're not used to operating in. So why am I talking about this? Why why am I telling all of you this stuff that I've, I've been contemplating? Well, first, because I have a podcast and I have to fill a time slot. <laughs> but uh, more than that, it's really just to kind of help educate family members and friends, people that, that aren't associated with the military or haven't been you know, in the past, to kind of understand what it's like for our members coming back and and how to help them adjust as best as possible. Like I said, most people are going to be fine. You know, they're going to be like me. They they don't have an issue. They're they're going to be okay. 
but there's still just that little bit that that they're gonna have to they're gonna need some time and and help getting over. But so I hope that helps. If you do have a family member that's deployed or has been deployed, helps you kind of get a little bit of insight that into what they're thinking and and how they can move on from that. Like I said at the beginning, got the new book coming out uh, November 11th. That's Veterans Day. Actually, November 12th is when it'll be coming out, uh, which is a Monday. And I'm super excited about it. It's it's a lot of my experiences and my friends' experiences from Iraq that were worked into the book. Um, it is a part of the Athleta Christie series, and uh, it it is fun. I, I I tried to make it interesting and not like super depressing or boring. Uh, so it is a good time. The audio book should be released at, at the same time or later on that week. I haven't really quite cracked the code on how to publish the audio book yet. Uh, but it's going to be a fun adventure. So please look it up. Also, you can look me up online, uh, josiethomasauthor.com. That's my website. And if you want to check out the existing book, it is Providence at Lita Christie. It is on Amazon. Feel free to, to Google it, check it out. And if you take the time, I sure would appreciate a review. Uh, it really helps the show to grow and, and it helps more people find my book and my website and all that kind of stuff. So please do that if you feel so inclined. But that's all I got for this week. Take care. Bye. My love.